All In is a chance in a very loud and pronounced way for men to say, we are here, we are part of this now, and we are standing alongside you and joining together with you. Josh Levs, or Joshua Levs, is a CNN reporter, worked for NPR, sued his bosses because he wanted time off. He's having a baby, wants time off. His wife was pregnant. And he's got a couple of books out there now. His new one is all about the workplace, the American workplace culture, all in how we work, how our work-first culture fails dads, families, and businesses and how we can fix it together. And we got him on the phone with us right now. How you doing, Josh? Hey, I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. We're going to have you on earlier because we were just talking about this new female Viagra, as they're calling it. <laughs> and, you know, the, the conversation turns, as it always does, into women just don't have enough help from the men. We're not being good enough fathers. We're not being good enough husbands. Mm. And if we just would do more, they wouldn't be so exhausted, and uh, they might be more attracted to us, and on and on. But False stereotypes. Yeah. All. False stereotypes, and that's what I just proved in the book. And here's the thing, okay? Today's dads are, and all of the myths that you've heard are wrong. Today's dads are doing a fantastic job. Men and women are putting in equal hours on behalf of our families. These are facts. Working dads come home and spend three hours a day with our children. And when you come, when it comes to basics like clothing them and feeding them and cooking for them and helping them with their homework, talking with them about their day, virtually all dads who live with their children do that every single day or at the very least several days a week. And here's the real thing, Bill. Everyone needs to understand that these false stereotypes are not prejudiced against men. The stereotypes are prejudiced against men and women. These stereotypes are the reason that we are so far behind in gender equality in this country, and that's what people need to understand, and that's what I want everyone to take away from uh, from this book, All In. Well, too bad you're not more passionate about it. <laughs> well, see, Josh, I don't know if you'd agree with me on this, but I'm arguing that men and women have different libidos, and it doesn't have anything to do with really how much extra work uh, you do around the house. I just don't buy it. But yeah. I, I don't know where you get the stats on it. Maybe you can give that to me. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you as a dad that when I drop the kids off at school, and I used to do it every day until my schedule changed, but or pick them up, I see as many dads doing it as moms. When I go to birthday parties and play dates, I mm-hmm. see lots of men chasing their yep. kids around and diapering their kids and doing all the things. I mean, I think the world has changed a lot. I think I'm a pretty involved parent. I'll tell you, listen, let's hit this nail on both heads, okay? First of all, there is a, I want everyone, if you're driving right now, just pull into the nearest bookstore. I need you to get this because the facts have to get out there. Listen, first of all, I have a whole section on sex in this book. And for the first time ever, people will get the facts about what's actually going on in the bedrooms of American parents. So what happened was there was this, since we're talking sex, there was a front page story in the New York Times Magazine that said that women want their husbands to do things like cooking and cleaning, but when they do, it's a turnoff and they have less sex. And then there were people who got all upset about that, saying this is bad for gender equality, this is false, but everybody was talking about these tiny little outdated studies from the 1990s. So when I was writing all in, I went looking for new stats, commissioned a study of brand new statistics, And I have now disproven that. It is false. Men who are doing things like cooking and cleaning are not having any less sex. I also have the numbers in there on what I call the sex wealthy and people who are managing to – 
get it on four times a week, even no matter how crazy parenting life is now. So, so I want people to see it because we need to blast these stereotypes out of the water as well. And as for being an involved parent, hey, well, so what is it? Hold on, Josh. Yeah. Don't don't just go past that oh, one. Sorry. What is the secret then to couples who are having sex four times a week? <laughs> I'm not allowed. Harper Collins would get so mad at me if I gave it all away for free. But I can tell you that um, they have some pieces of advice in there. I actually interviewed some sex wealthy folks. This is what I'm calling them, the sex wealthy. And uh, I even sat down with this couple. I said they, they took a break from their sexually utopian universe to uh, to come down to earth and talk to the rest of us. This is uh, one couple, for example, that has three kids, both parents working, crazy busy life. They have sex every night. And I, it sounds physically impossible, but they explain their system and how they make it work, and it's it's pretty incredible. So sorry I can't give it all away here, but it's in there. It's in the book. It's in all in. Well, tell HarperCollins that uh, it's kind of obnoxious when authors don't answer questions. Live on the air. <laughs> I know, and I'm a journalist, and I hate Yeah, that so just too. ignore them. Forget what they said, because I'll tell you, with my years of experience, Josh, you'll sell more books by just, uh, we'll just talk honestly about what's in there, because yeah. we can't do your whole book in the next uh, 10 or 15 minutes. So, no, and I don't expect you to. So, no, not, so uh, tell me, what's this couple's secret? Oh, let me give you some of the facts about what, what they do. Um, for them, they schedule not just sex, but they schedule their entire day. They are religious about getting their kids into bed at a specific time every night. Everything is organized around that. And once their kids are in bed, they have you know, trained them to be really good. And sometimes it takes a while to train them, but this is where it starts. They train their kids to be in bed at the same time every night. And then they usually go from their kids' bedrooms to their bedroom, and they give up certain things. So they have given up, like, and some people wouldn't, some couples wouldn't want to do this, but they've given up having downtime at night, having time that they're just in front of the TV. They've given up um, having that many date nights because they want to trade it all for sex, and it works for them. So they made that the priority. And during when we're not with the kids, this is what we're doing. Priority, and they stuck to it, and they they have certain things that they do with each other during the day. The kind of notes they write each other, the things they say when they call, the things that the, the husband does as soon as he gets home from work, or the wife does as soon as she gets home from work, going straight to the other person uh, before the kids, and you know, keeping that kind of level of intimacy going. It's actually a really beautiful thing for them, and it helps keep their marriage alive in, in really awesome ways. All right, so let's move into the main reason you're here in the book, okay. All In: How Our Work First Culture. Fails dads, families, and businesses, and how we can fix it together. Yeah. Uh, and it starts, I think, we have to start with you suing your boss at one point because you wanted to be home with a new baby. That's yeah. pretty I mean, gutsy. Well, thanks. I faced a ridiculous policy, which I've since discovered is is symptomatic of the whole problem for all of us. So the policy in Time Warner made no sense. They had a caregiving leave of 10 paid weeks. This was separate from women who give birth, who obviously need time for, you know, physical recovery and all that. You could get 10 paid weeks for caregiving unless you were a man who impregnated your own wife. So if I gave my daughter up for adoption and some other guy adopted her, he would get 10 paid weeks. If we had used a surrogate, I would get 10 paid weeks. If we had used a sperm donor, I would get 10 paid weeks. But they couldn't wrap their minds around the idea that in a traditional scenario, a man impregnates his wife, the wife gives birth, that that guy might be caregiver. And my wife and I had looked at what was happening when our our third child was on the way, and um, we realized I would be needed at home. And I assumed that Time Warner would do the right thing when I went to them completely in secret months before her birth, and I said, hey, um, you must have just overlooked the possibility that sometimes a man in a traditional situation will be the caregiver. Well, that should be a five-minute conversation, right? They go, oh, yeah, you know, that doesn't make any sense at all. Of course, Josh, we'll change it. 
That's what I thought. That's, you know, I'm such an optimist. That's exactly what I thought, I, exactly what you just said. But instead, they wouldn't give me an answer for months, and then my daughter was born in an emergency prematurely and still no answer. And then 11 days later, I'm home holding my four-pound preemie, taking care of my sick wife and my two boys, saying, I need an answer, because all I could get was two paid weeks. And that's when they said no. Right then. So I talked with my lawyers. I filed a, a discrimination uh, complaint with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and uh, that's where all in came from. And you still work there. Yeah, I do. You know, it's amazing what happened. My, as soon as I announced that I was going to take this step, my colleagues were incredibly supportive. And all over the country, all these men's groups and women's groups were putting out these statements supporting me, and, and liberals and conservatives across all the whole spectrum. And so for me, it became just this fascinating, you know, as a journalist, I was wondering what was it about my little situation that galvanized so many people. And that's when I realized that, you know, the kind of thing we were talking about before, Everyone in this country who truly wants gender equality is up against these old structures, these structures that are acting as gender police, that are pushing men to stay at work, pushing women to stay home, even though we want more equality. And, yeah, my colleagues have been amazing, and I had certain protections when I when I filed. And, yes, I am still an employee. All right, so we'll take a break, come back, and talk about uh, everybody else's workplace, because I'm sure your your workplace is fine now. But <laughs> how do we change the culture in the rest of the workplaces? I got to tell you, Josh, this is a tough one because when a woman goes to her boss and says, my kids are sick, I got to go pick them up early from school, bosses tend to say yes. And I'm not saying women don't face all kinds of other stereotypes in the workplace. Don't write me emails about that. I'm not, but they, we accept that, yeah, they're the primary caregivers. When a guy says, I can't come into work today because my kids are sick and I got to drive them to a bosses do not go for it. It's okay. not, and it's also seen as unmanly, unambitious, exactly. lazy, and a whole lot of other things. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Josh Lebs awesome. with CNN. He has a new book called All In, How Our Work First Culture Fails Dads, Families, and Businesses, and How We Can Fix It Together. Everyone in this country who truly wants gender equality is up against these old structures, these structures that are acting as gender police, that are pushing men to stay at work, pushing women to stay home, even though we want more equality. That's Josh Levs. You've seen him on CNN. He's an investigative reporter. Sued CNN's parent company because... He wanted time off with his new baby. They they thought he was insane. I could relate to that. When I asked my when I, my first uh, child was born, and I asked for time off, my boss looked at me like I'm nuts. What are you talking about? You got a job in radio, and you've got a really satisfying career. And why would you ever want time off to be with a baby and change diapers? Wow, you really don't get it. Well, it's an older generation of guys. They don't get it at all. Josh is back on the phone. His book is All In: How Our Work First Culture Fails Dads. Families and businesses, and how we could fix it together. Let me say this, and I want you then uh, react to it, Josh. Sure. Yeah. To me, being a father is the best job I've ever had. Yeah. It's the only one that is completely satisfying, completely challenging, is always changing and evolving. It's awesome. In the workplace, and I've always had great jobs. After four or five years, if I don't get promoted, moved on, changed time slots, something new, it just doesn't give me the same satisfaction anymore. Parenting never gets old for me. My kids are now 9 and 10. It's incredible. I love it. That, to me, is how, as a as a person, being a dad is the best thing I've ever done, and no job will ever meet that. Are okay. you c- coming from the same place? Absolutely. And this is, 
you know, this dichotomy that you're talking about is the problem. This is prejudice against men and women. It's incredible what happened to you when your boss didn't understand that. Listen, I mean, here's some of the examples from the book, okay? One guy was refused the time that he's legally entitled to, to stay home after his kid was born, and his boss told him that women are supposed to take care of babies unless they, and this is a direct quote, unless they, quote, are in a coma or dead. (laughs) I have another guy whose kid was born in an emergency, and he left work during the middle of the day. He just missed the rest of that week, so it was just a couple days. He got back to work on Monday. His boss rebuked him. How dare he take that much time off? And his boss was a pregnant woman. And, you know, when I started digging into this stuff, I found that at first those things surprised people. But then I talked to the experts who have been on the front lines to trying to get us better policies, better workplace systems that understand today's families. And they said that there are men and women who are acting as gender police, pushing men to be one way, pushing women to be another way. And look, why, why is it? When I was growing up, the girls that I knew were just as smart, just as capable. Now I'm 43 years old, right? And only 4.6% of the CEOs in the S&P 500 are women. That is crazy, but it's a direct result of the same problem, that we've got these workplace structures that don't respect fatherhood. So dads are forced to stay at work, women's are, or moms are forced to stay at home more often. We're not being given choices, and that's Well, you start, you start putting your family ahead of... Of uh, of your job, and you're not you're going to stop getting promoted, which is exactly, by the way, what happens to women. Yep, is that they their career slows down because they're not seen as ambitious anymore, and men don't yep. want to do that. That's Plus, right. there's the added thing that men are just supposed to be so macho mm-hmm. that you know we don't we don't want to change diapers. We're guys. I know, and it's so clueless. And this is why I want people to learn, you know, the real facts that I have in here about what dads are actually doing. We are changing diapers. We're doing all these things. And when everyone starts to understand this, when we get rid of that whole idea of the machismo or of the uh, buffoon dad, like we see on TV, who's totally incapable of handling children at all, when we start to eradicate that and replace it with the truth, which is that dads are totally involved, dads are very involved and perfectly capable of parenting, then our policies are going to have to follow. And, And by the way, California's leading the way, you know, as states go in this country, California's doing a lot better. So how is the uh, work-first culture failing the the family as a whole? Does the family still function as long as the mom is there to pick up the slack for the dad who thinks he's supposed to be at work? (laughs) Interesting. No, because what I've discovered here is that our work-life conflict that we hear so much about also stems from these sexist policies. So these structures that we have are designed based on this madman era. This is assumption women will stay home and men will stay at work. So the balance overall was never allowing employees to have a life at work and a life at home. The balance was the woman stays home, the man stays at work, right? So when we hear about like how frenetic parenting is today, how exhausting it is, how we're all struggling to do it all, that's because our workplace culture is holding us back. So how is it affecting families? This old way of thinking is preventing many, many businesses from offering any paternity leave at all. That dramatically hurts families. It hurts women. It hurts children. It hurts men. In fact, I show in here the number of days, only 14% of companies have any paid paternity leave, and most people can't afford to take unpaid leave. And the amount of time being given to dads is going down. So that's hurting families. And, not, and you know, we want to raise our boys and our girls to have equal opportunities. And I can tell you that it's a fact. If our generation, my kids are around you, my oldest kid is eight, your years are nine and ten. So if our generation of parents does not tackle these structures and fix them through, better, through the policies and the laws and the stigmas, if we don't fix this, then our children will not grow up to have equal opportunities in their lives, and that's heartbreaking. 
All right. Josh Labs is an investigative reporter with CNN. His book is All In, How Our Work First Culture Fails Dads, Families, and Businesses, and How We Can Fix It Together. Uh, I think it's difficult but easier to convince dads that they need to change and that it's bad for families if we don't. And I think the tougher sell is convincing businesses that somehow it's better for them to let dads take time off. So we'll deal with that when we come back. Can you hang in? Awesome. All right. Josh Levs, and uh, he's author and an an investigative reporter. So we'll finish up with him coming up here in a couple of minutes. Want to remind you, by the way, in an hour from now, we're going to be right in the middle of our uh, last day with Brandon Webb, the former Navy SEAL and author. We'll meet the rest of his heroes from his book, Among Heroes, and end our week-long series on American heroes. Okay, so that's coming up. If we don't fix this, then our children will not grow up to have equal opportunities in their lives, and that's heartbreaking. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. If you want to connect and see more about the book, All In, How Our Work First Culture Fails Dads, Families, and Businesses, and How We Can Fix It Together, you go to KFIAM640.com on the Bill Carroll page, where we continue certain gender stereotypes with our photo feature of women's tennis outfits. We are really do, we're gender busting today. On one hand, uh, no, have we're, you seen we, these things? We're standing up for women. What we're saying is women's fashion should be more modest. It's tennis. Women's tennis is an excellent sport. They don't need to sell their sexuality to sell the game. That's what we're saying. And then what about the right, one Tom, who's is that what we're saying? No, changing, I was going to say I'm going to start watching now, but oh, I guess it's changing the, her underwear right there on the court. What the who hell? Who did that? What are you talking about? Uh, it's on the page. I, I put a video up. That's the Serbian a new one. Tennis star, she, and nobody really knows why. If you watch the video, you can figure it out. But what are you doing? <laughs> she changed her underwear. Imagine a guy just taking off his shorts, changing his underwear, putting them back on. Okay, let's go. I yeah, saw a guy on the street in to... Venice do that the other day. It was quite interesting. You know, you know what they call that in Venice? There's a name for that. Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what else are we doing? Oh, the Brandon Webb. Week-long series, look at American heroes, so we wrap it up. Among Heroes is his book, and uh, we're going to do a full 30 minutes with him today to wrap it up. He's been here with us every day this week. All right, so let's get back to uh, Josh Levs, CNN reporter, investigative reporter, and author of this book, All In, about uh, fathers and how, you know, dads, are not they're not supposed to take time off work. He actually sued CNN's parent company because he wanted to be home with his new baby. Very unmanly thing to do, Josh. You know, they revolutionized the policy as a result of it. As a result of this legal action, it became much, much, much better. I used to be the only kind of parent that couldn't get, you know, the the pay time off everybody else could for caregiving. And uh, now... You should have adopted your own biological child. I know. Solved the problem. I know. If I had had to adopt her, I would have gotten 10 paid a week. I know. It's so ridiculous. Um, You know, I think companies are starting to wake up to the reality. And I know before the break you said, you know, we're talking about getting businesses to change. Here's the thing. Here's what I found. It's better business for businesses to have better policies. When when they hear about things like paid family leave, right, they're thinking at first it's, oh, no, we're being told we have to pay people when they're not working. But when we talk about laws that we need in this country to establish gender-neutral paid family leave, it's great for business, and under those laws, they don't have to pay. Not a penny. That's not that's not how it works. And so what I want to do is make sure that everyone understands paid family leave that exists currently in California and Rhode Island and New Jersey, it operates as an insurance program. You put a little money into it, 
When you need paid family leave, you get it. You get money back from it. And before it went into effect, lots of businesses and big business groups said, oh, no, it's going to kill jobs, destroy the economy. Now, I explain in the book, they have gone mum. These groups like the Chamber of Commerce, the Society for Human Resource Management, they're no longer out there saying that. And the reason is the results are in, and it's good for business. It's been proven now. So well, okay, so stop. Interested. Tell me how it's good for business. I understand sure. if you have a government program in place, right. it's not going to cost them more. Right. But I'm still losing key staff members for a certain amount of time. It was one thing when I had to lose women. Now i got to lose women and men, and sure. that's a problem. I can explain to you how this works because a lot of businesses in California are going way above and beyond what's allowed. You know, Facebook and, and Twitter and all, a lot of other big companies in the tech sector are doing it. Facebook does 17 paid weeks for men and women. Here's why it's good business. Right now, and we have the stats in the book, there are a lot of people, especially women, who drop out of the workforce altogether because they don't have access to paid family leave. So at that point, for them, it's just dropping out and never coming back. Whereas when you get gender-neutral paid family leave, what happens is the woman will take as much time as she's given. She often comes back to work while the man then takes his turn, and he is the caregiver. And then they both end up in the workforce again instead of either of them dropping out. Uh, this is right, but Josh, that might be collectively good for business, but unless the man and woman both work for me, I still lose a man that I wasn't going to lose before. But not long term. So here's the thing. Cost, the cost of replacing an employee could be anywhere between, according to one study, 29% of an annual salary or even 46% of an annual salary. It is really expensive to replace people because you have to fly people in and you have to deal with recruiters, headhunters. You have to move their family in. Then you have to train them. And all you have a lot of employees spending their paid time working on finding the next people. And even after all that, when this new person gets there, that person is still not as good as the established person who had already been there for years. So what businesses are finding is when they do this in order to hold on to people, that helps. But there's more to it. Listen to this. It's now proven that these better policies attract and retain higher quality employees because more and more younger workers are going into the workforce, including before they even have children, looking at these policies. I have a quote from Sheryl Sandberg in the book who says that she has had both men and women say that one of the reasons they want to work at Facebook is that Facebook offers so much paid paternity leave because they know that if it's a place that's offering paid paternity leave, that's a place that wants to raise women up the ranks, and it's a place that wants to give people the ability to be um, committed to their families and still working. I have an 18-employee business in Boston in this book. 18 employees, they are now offering three paid months of paid family leave, and they didn't used to. And now that they're offering it, they see that it's better for business. It saves them money because it attracts and retains these high-quality employees. You know, well, Josh, you make very good arguments. Yeah. The problem is you're talking about businesses being able to think long-term. And the right. market reality these days is that mm-hmm. businesses, especially big businesses, Think quarter to quarter. You know, right. how am I gonna how am I gonna manage the street's expectations for the next quarter results? Right. I'm gonna lay off a hundred people. Yeah, but that's gonna kill your business in a year. I don't care. I just gotta get through the next quarter. How do you convince big businesses that even though in the long run that employee is likely to stay longer and they're not gonna have to retrain someone and spend all that money and right. they're not gonna lose the knowledge that they have in their employees? Because they all talk a big game, Josh, about right. our number one resource is our employees. They say that. But in the end, they don't mean it. They I just, agree. Right? So here's how we do it. We show them the quarterlies. 
I can show you the quarterlies. Look, Johnson & Johnson just expanded their paid family leave for a man or a woman from one week to, I believe, eight weeks. Now, why did Johnson & Johnson do that? Bank of America is now at 10 weeks. I've got other companies in this book. Deloitte, that's doing it. There are companies, law firms now, that have bumped up to six weeks. Just the other day, Goldman Sachs doubled what they're giving men from two paid weeks to four paid weeks, and that's because these places are looking at the quarterlies. And it's now proven in places that have paid family leave. I can show you, and I do in the book, these studies that show that these places that were afraid they would lose out now say they are not facing more employee turnover. It has either been a neutral or positive effect on their bottom line, and that starts from the first quarter. So if any of these companies out there, and I hope they're listening, I'm sure they are, you know, business leaders, I want you to hear this. I want you to see the stats in all in. The quarterlies prove it. You don't lose out. You start winning very early on. Josh Labs, his book is all in. It's about uh, work-first culture and how it's failing dads and families and businesses, and we're, we're just focusing on the business part now because we've been down the other roads yeah. a little bit. But is there a point of diminishing return for that? If you yeah. look at a country like Canada where they have one year of paternity leave, right. and the way it's structured is the mother and father can split that up any way they want. Yes. Uh, what you see in a lot of businesses is uh, companies just refusing to hire women of childbearing age because they're going to lose them for too long a period of time. There's, there's still a, a cultural, there's still a gender bias there. They don't tend to think the same way about men. Because exactly. even though men can take it, they're, they're not, they might take a few weeks, but they're not generally splitting it equally. That's right. Uh, and so it's, it's had some, some negative effects, I think, on women in the workplace. Yeah. So here's what happened in Canada. In Canada, the stigmas that you and I were talking about where men are insulted, demoted, even fired for daring to take time off, those stigmas are still very present. So right now, latest study shows only one in 10 men is taking paid time off for parenting leave in Canada. So instead, what happens is when you have this big pile available to either sex, but you also have the stigma, the woman takes it. And then, yes, if a woman's going to be out of work and you know she, that a woman's going to be out of work for nine or 10 or 11 months, you might be less likely to hire her. So what I've shown in this book is something called the bonus temptation. And it's been done in parts of Northern Europe, and it's had an incredibly positive effect. The biggest effect that some of these researchers have ever seen. What happens with the bonus, I call it the bonus temptation. What happens is there's a pile of time available to either sex. Then there's a pile of time available to women. And then there's a pile of time available specifically and only to men. What happens is that reverses the stigma. When men are offered something like eight paid weeks, maybe even ten paid weeks, they look stupid not taking it. Because if you're going to turn down one or two paid weeks in this country, fine. But Who's going to turn down eight or ten paid weeks to be a caregiver? <laughs> it took the number of men taking paid leave from down in the single digits up to about 90%. That's, that's funny. Tremendous that's tremendous change. It's great that's for that, that tells me how stupid and shallow we all are, actually. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, stigmas are shallow. That's what a stigma is. A stigma is shallow thinking that's based on your own false presumptions. It's totally shallow. So uh, instead of feeling uh, less than a man because I wanted to take three weeks off to be with my baby, I have to say... Well, I'm going to turn down 12 weeks of paid leave. That does sound stupid yeah, when you, you say it what? out loud. You know what, Bill? What's really, like, what's really sad is that already collectively, not individually, but collectively in this country, men, us, we are leaving billions of dollars on the table because men who do get paid, and only 14% of companies offer any paid paternity leave, but the majority of men are not using it or are only using a little bit of it because of the stigmas. And when I totaled those figures, I determined it's billions of dollars that we are leaving sitting on the table because we're giving into the stigmas. And so I say, let's think of these stigmas as a bully. 
Let's just all, this is why it's called all in. Let's all rise up against this and say, no, we're not going to give in to the stigmas. We're going to tell the world and everyone we work with that being committed dads is the manliest thing you will ever do if you have children. And we're going to take pride in that. And pretty soon, you know, the bully's going to have to shrink away. It won't win. I'm going home to tell Sylvie we're having another kid. You got me all wired up. <laughs> Mazel tov. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. You guys, thanks so much for having me. Great talking to you. Josh Lebs, an investigative reporter with CNN, and his new book is All In, How Our Work-First Culture Fails Dads, Families, and Businesses, and How We Can Fix It Together. There's a link on uh, our page if you want to buy his book. It's at kfiam640.com. Keyword is Carol. Two R's, two L's. Takes you right there. Go to our line page as well. And don't forget to check out those tennis photos we've been talking about and uh, there's a i'm certainly a gender neutral reason we have them there but i just forget what it is right now coming up next uh more on a thon kfi am 640 bill carroll santa barbara oil spills are going to lead to criminal charges eric leonard explores that and we'll give you an update on the state of the beaches too coming up at 1205 Don't forget to go to KFIM640.com for our tennis pictures. Todd, come back to us, Todd. Stop looking at the tennis picture. It's for work. It's for work. Why is she changing her underwear on the tennis court? I I think that's tradition in Siberia. Is it like at the end of a soccer game when they exchange jerseys? Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Now the women are exchanging their underwear. I don't think that's hygienic. Or they throw it to a fan or <laughs> something, like the jersey. I don't think either one is hygienic, if you really think about it. I don't know. I would take a David Beckham sweaty jersey any day. <laughs> well, I would... T- no, no. I'm just going to stop talking now, because that's what's best. Sometimes you just have to know when to quit. And it actually would have been before I even hinted at that. But there you go. I'm just having one of those days. Who's the bigger moron here? We hear about ISIS and how they've mastered social media. That's how they're recruiting people to do crazy things, to come and join them in Syria and Iraq. But it's also encouraging people to do terrible things in their home countries. And they are masters, masters, masters of it. But the U.S. Air Force is saying, yeah, you're not so smart after all. This week, an Air Force general, Hawk Carlisle, head of Air Combat Command, was describing how airmen in Florida with the 361st Intelligence Surveillance and Reconnaissance Group, have recognized that people are making comments on social media and they're using that to find out where they are and kill them. You can sometimes get, if you forget to turn it off on your smartphone or if it was geolocation, which is more complex, that involves topography, that involves looking at the landmarks around the picture to work out where it is. Either way, 22 hours later, we're told by the Air Force Times, uh, three JDAMs hit this building. That's about $60,000 worth uh, of munitions, if you don't even take into account how much it would cost to put the aircraft and surveillance there in in the first place. An expensive operation, but one in which they show how, they say, stupidity of ISIS leads them to be targeted. But putting that to one side, it comes after a pretty bad week, frankly, for the coalition. They've been keen to emphasize... Does CNN think it just sounds smarter to have international correspondents with English accents? Is that the deal there? Because I could not, not understand half of what he said. Uh, could you slow it down a little bit? I'm not really understanding everything you're saying now because we're in America and we don't we don't have that accent. Just slow it down a bit. Just a little bit. That would be nice. So anyway, the point is he's talking about the same thing. This is uh, They sent these munitions out, these JDAMs, Joint Direct Attack Munitions, which is basically a little device you put on a regular bomb that makes it a smart bomb. 
And they're dropping them on these idiots who are down, these morons from ISIS who are on using social media. They can track them down and kill them. How stupid are these people is the general's point. And I thought, yeah, that is pretty dumb. But maybe not as dumb as telling them that you're using this to target them. Thank you. Aren't they now going to go on social media Good and then God. post, do the recruiting thing, and then get out of the building and go somewhere else to do it? Turn we their just location device tip off. Tip them off. God. We're idiots. Or, or is the main target here not the individuals who are using social media? Is what the military really trying to do is scare them into not using social media at all so that they won't continue to recruit and they will have lost their most effective tool. So is it the moron using social media, the moron telling them that we're targeting them through social media, or are we back to the original moron who thinks we're targeting them through social media and we're really not? It's all a big ruse that we're telling the media. They use some other method, but we want to scare them out of using social media. I, think I what, am exhausted trying to figure out who do, the moron is, is here. We should keep our traps shut, the U.S. government. Just do what we do? Do what we do. No, but Bomb information them, is a valuable tour. Misinformation and war. They'll figure it out eventually. That's what we're, They're on to us. But after we've already killed a bunch of them. Why have we got to flap our gums that we've got this great technology? I met this guy years ago, and he'd written a book about uh, certain myths that we have in society and where they come from. The one that stood out most to me was about, uh, if anyone ever tell you this, your mother ever tell you, eat carrots is good for your vision? Eh, that doesn't help your vision at all. What happened was the allies, the good guys, us in the Second World War, had figured out radar, and we were starting to shoot down a lot more German planes. And they didn't want the pilots who were being kid- captured by the Germans to say, oh, we got radar. So we deliberately told our pirate pilots to eat more carrots because that was giving them better night vision so they were targeting better and nothing to do with that it was the it was the radar improvements okay but now you have to make it plausible because there is the chemical carotene in the eye so you could scientifically think that it helps but it doesn't it didn't all the studies showed it didn't help but that misinformation had the germans feeding their pilots carrots and not looking for radar misinformation and look how powerful it was we still think today that carrots are good for your eyesight and they're not. And uh, that's what the author told me. If his research is long, wrong, not my fault. But he seems that's to really have looked that into that, it. Yeah, yeah, that was the original that, that source of carrots. He sourced that myth. Wow. So I should eat radar dishes? <sighs> yes. yes. I think we found yes, the moron. You no, I think we found the moron. <laughs> we, have narrowed, we have narrowed it down. That's funny. That's the first time I've laughed all day. All right, coming up next, uh, will there be criminal charges with respect to this oil spill we're dealing with off the coastline. KFI's Eric Leonard will join us next. Now, he's not a moron. He knows what he's talking about. I'm still looking at you. Yes, Todd. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll.